Welcome to the Power of the Human Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Foster. And I'll say right now off the bat, it's a shame that we're not coming to you with visuals today because my guest today is sporting a long mane in the most beautiful shade of emerald green. Would you say emerald? I'd say emerald's about right. It's pretty beautiful. That's amazing. So Eleanor is going to share her story or more like her journey of becoming an author. And as you'll find out, not just any author, we'll discover how she did it and how you can do it too. Please welcome Eleanor Mary. Hi, Eleanor. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here today. I'm so glad you're here too. This is, I'm really looking forward to this. So, um, Honestly, I, again, no visuals here today, but if uh, people looked up the term self-expression, they would see your photo. <laughs> I think you're the quintessential person who has the most beautiful, different colors of hair and beautiful tattoos. And it's really, you're very self-expressive. Well, thank you. I, uh, I haven't had my natural hair color in about 20 years, so I don't even know what that would look like anymore. Um, I, I don't think I can ever go back. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I was uh, saying the other day with everything that's happening in the world right now, my hair is therapy for me. So on a bad day when I'm feeling stuck inside me doing with my doing my hair, fiddling with the color, it makes me feel fantastic. So there's my tip of the day for anyone needing a little bit of personal therapy or self-love. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking a lot more people are going to be coloring their hair bright, vivid colors because we can't get in to see our hair people at all. And it seems like you're the one who's got the best hair <laughs> and no roots. And so that just might be a really good idea. Um, so this all started, I'm wondering, I think back to like before you uh, got into being an author, did this start with your love of reading? Uh, being an author or? No, did you did you start reading? You be you were a big reader, and then all of a sudden it just started the mill going. Or how did that all kind of come together? Well, I mean, I've I've, I've been an avid reader since I was a kid. Um, I, I'd say that all started. It was around grade. I think it was the end of grade four and uh, going into grade five, and I got put into a split class. So I don't. Not all countries or places have this, but split classes will be two different grades. So going into grade five, I was with grade four, so younger than me, and there was eight kids my age in my grade. And uh, that summer, I was really bored. I had no friends to play with. I had nothing to do. So I spent my entire summer at the library. And about once a week, I would go take out 10 to 15 books. And keep in mind, I'm about 10 years old at this point, And I would read those books in a week. And that summer, I read something like 240 books in one summer. And uh, after that, I was already up to a high school reading level by going into grade five, six. And I never slowed down from there. Uh, so of course, going into high school, writing, reading, already a kind of passion, something I thought about. And uh, here I am, I guess I just took the plunge at some point. And yeah, definitely the love of reading made a big impact on that, though. I can imagine because it just makes your imagination that much bigger to draw from. Absolutely. And it's, it's inspirational. You know, you, you read a really amazing book or story from, you know, an author, and it's inspiring how they can 
bring forth visuals with words, how they can make you feel such like so deeply. I mean, any book lover will know the feeling of finishing a really good book and feeling like lost. Like, what do I even do with myself right now? You know, that that's such a powerful thing that so few people can make other people feel. And uh, it's definitely something I think you can aspire to as an author is to leave people, I guess, feeling lost for lack of a better word. <laughs> Mm hmm. Yeah, you can you can uh, definitely make people feel all kinds of things. One of the things I think is interesting uh, that I've noticed with you, and I think is what makes a successful author as well, too, is when you like the what seemingly would be the bad guy, or somebody that you would naturally think is bad, but you have a lot of compassion for him. So I think that is uh, pretty cool. So, so tell me, why zombies? <laughs> Well, first of all, this is let, let's talk about your books and uh, the, the titles of your books and and then why zombies. Yeah, so so my first uh, debut novel was Dead Aware: A Zombie Journey. So it's, it's all part of a world that I dubbed Dead Aware. Um, this idea actually originally came to me when I was about 15 or so. Um, I've always been a huge horror lover. I've always loved horror and the macabre. I remember staying up late with my dad when I was young, watching late night horror movies with him, things that I probably should not have been watching at those age. So thank you, dad, for giving me that love. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I was about 15 or so, I had this idea because all these zombie you know, fiction at that point was kind of getting big again, whether it was movies or books and things. And zombies were always the bad guys. And I felt bad, like, what is a zombie feeling or thinking in this, right? So I had this idea where this couple of, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend turn into zombies, and they have to cross the country to find each other again. And it's all written from a zombie point of view. So that was an idea I got over 15 years ago. And uh, last year, at the beginning of 2019, I decided, hey, I I'm going to publish a book in 2019, I told myself. And that was, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but for some reason, I just decided this is going to happen. And, uh, you know, eight months later, Dead Aware, the first Dead Aware book, A Zombie Journey, came out. So, yeah, that was kind of an interesting one. And the, the thing that makes Dead Aware unique is, again, that it's written from a quote-unquote zombie point of view. However, I won't give too many spoilers here, but my zombies are a little bit unique in how they, how they navigate the world and the true definition of a zombie. So that's, uh, that's a little bit of, of my world. Oh, and of course they take place in Canada for the most part, which is quite unique as a lot of zombie fiction tends to be in the USA or in the UK. So I had never read a zombie book in Canada. So there you go. <laughs> well, Canada has a lot of places for zombies to go. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's it's interesting because Canada has such a unique blend. We have some big cities, you know, we have Toronto and Vancouver and some really big cities, but we have so much wilderness. We have animals and wilderness and forests and so many different kinds of landscape and, you know, whether it's the mountains, the flatlands, the ocean, the everything, right? So it gives some really interesting settings and really diverse settings for writing a story set within the country. For sure, for sure. I, I can appreciate that. And uh, I definitely noticed that in your book. I read the first one. I and I am not necessarily a zombie type person of that ilk or whatever. And I could not put it down. I love the idea that it was coming from that perspective of the, the zombie, how they saw it. And uh, honestly, I really, really liked it. 
And I have a little surprise for you. I finished the second one. <laughs> so I guess I had a little surprise for you in there too then. <laughs> it's so true. And when we chatted momentarily last night for a bit, I picked it back up again because I had the book in Vancouver. It, it was sent to Vancouver and I realized, oh, the book is in Vancouver. Brad's not going back to get it. So I did the Kindle thing and I've just been going for it. We had a little conversation last night. I flipped the page on Kindle and all of a sudden, surprise. So that was really, really fun. That was really cool. And people are going to have to check that out. But I absolutely enjoyed it. Again, a page turner. And I, I love your cadence. I love how things just kind of unfold. It's got a really nice flow to it. And I think you did a really good job. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I guess for anyone who hasn't read any of the Dead Aware books, I do like to uh, put my friends and family into my stories. So that's something I, and actually I'll admit my real reason for that is I hate naming characters. I'm really bad at it. I don't like doing it. So whenever I'm looking for inspiration for a character, I look to the world around me, to my friends, to my family. So Dead Aware 1 had several people I know kind of briefly named little cameos, so to speak, and Dead Aware 2 had a whole bunch more. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. And anyone ever wanting to be named as a zombie, let me know. I'm always looking for more names. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. And I'm sure, yeah, everybody who is uh, thought of in the book is really flattered and tickled by the whole idea too. Uh, I got to tell you, um, and this isn't, uh, this isn't um, spoiling anything, but one of my favorite words now, or verbs is shamble <laughs> because you you just can see it in your mind what a shamble looks like right I've never seen it before that word or as a verb or anything uh, but it just it it says it perfectly <laughs> it really does it really does uh, so what what is next then for uh, you've got more books on the on the same characters or how is this uh, you're planning a series is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so Dead Aware Zombie Journey started off following a couple Max and Clara, and at this point they're they're like my family now. I know them better than I know myself. I feel like sometimes. So Dead Aware. Uh, a Zombie Journey was book one. The continuation of their journey was Dead Aware 2, No Place Like Home. I'm expecting at least one more book with Max and Clara being the kind of feature just because their journey isn't, isn't quite over yet. They have more to, more to share with us. Uh, potentially more. It really depends on whether or not and how they speak to me. Uh, having said that, though, I do have more plans for the Dead Aware world. So one of the things that I did after writing the first Dead Aware book was write a little novella called Vagrant Youth. And originally, I just started writing this kind of for fun, maybe for a little freebie short story for my newsletter, and it suddenly grew into like an actual short novel. Um, and Vagrant Youth features some homeless kids in Vancouver at the onset of the same virus that... Uh, is throughout the dead aware world so the fire virus and the main character in that abby i fell in love with her i have to say she was one of my favorite characters i've written she was just so so hardcore so loyal so loving she just loves so hard and so fiercely but she's so not a little girl she's she's tough uh you know she she speaks fluent french so to speak and uh i i just adored her so i definitely want to write some more 
dead aware stories from different perspectives of different kinds of people because you know a homeless kid during a, a viral zombie outbreak that that's kind of a unique situation and a unique kind of personality to be experiencing that um so what other personalities can i throw into dead aware and see how they handle it so to speak that's such a good idea and so this is going to take place in different places in the world where people are experiencing the same thing pretty much yeah so I haven't figured out exactly where or what. I mean, I'm going to have to write an origin story at some point. Um, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see how people in colder climates, I mean, colder than Canada even, handle it versus maybe hotter climates doing something more tropic and, you know, involving animals. The flora fauna is a big one for me too. So of course in, you know, Dead Aware, they're taking place in Canada. We, we do see some animals coming into play with it because our characters don't just have to go against the non-infected humans. They have to go against animals and all sorts of other different obstacles in their path. So what other obstacles and settings can I put these characters into just because I'm a mean author like that. And I like to put them in the hardest place possible and stick it out. Just to see how they get out of it. <laughs> and they decide really. Characters have a, a mind of their own. You know, you think your story's gonna go one way. I had when I first started writing the first Dead Aware book, Max and Clara, they they took it where they wanted to go. They didn't they didn't like my ideas and they decided to go a little left and a little to the side and a little over here and, and we ended up with something pretty different than I started off with. But hey, I love it. It worked and that was their story and the way it needed to be told. So that's fantastic. So you had kind of an outline and an intention, really, of what you wanted, but it took on its own kind of tone organically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. And I think uh, being an author, you have to be a little bit flexible. You have to listen to your characters a little bit and know them because you know what? You can have the most perfect laid out plot, but sometimes the, the character speaks to you in a different way and they need this extra little thing to happen. And I've found that some of the best subplots and the best storylines can come from those random doses of inspiration that your characters deliver you. That's amazing. That, so that must be really fun for you too, because it's not like you're sitting and just typing like crazy all these ideas in your head, but actually this creativity going through you that's just unfolding right before your eyes. It's a little bit annoying at times, if I'm being honest, um, because you, you have this whole laid out structure and plot and plan, and then all of a sudden your character throws you a loop and you're like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? And, <laughs> you know, now you have to go and rewrite and replan and figure out how this is going to work. And it's, it's all part of it, though. It's part of it. But yeah, characters definitely have a mind of their own when it comes to what they want their story to be. <laughs> I really love that. Uh, I know you've traveled quite a bit, so is that going to help you in determining where you're going to find your characters uh, for your future future books? It definitely helps. So one thing, when I, when I first started writing the first Dead Aware, I had planned it to be based in the U.S. I didn't have it planned to be based in Canada. But uh, after a couple hours of researching on location and different cities and this and that, the next thing, I got so fed up. Um, I didn't want to be pulling from things that I didn't know. So I went with pulling from information and in places I knew, which is why it ultimately ended up being set in my hometown, Vancouver. Uh, I know Vancouver. I know how to, what it looks like, the layout, the different parts of the city. It made it a lot easier. So chances are future data aware stories, I'm going to do as much as possible in places I know so that I'm pulling from my own well of knowledge as opposed to researching 
and, and getting that knowledge secondhand. Absolutely. You know, before the internet, even I was, I wrote a book, I was writing a book and, uh, and it was going very swimmingly. Like it was, it's taking its own kind of thing. And, and it was, uh, I was really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden she ended up in Mexico. <laughs> I'm just like, crap, I've never been to Mexico. And honestly, it stopped right there. That was it. I should find it. I should dig it up now that I've been to Mexico because I've got something. But it's true. You've got to you got to know where your your places are, right? You got to smell them and taste them, and you got to kind of know what that's all about before uh, before you can really give them a place to go. Is that true for you? It 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 definitely helps. It definitely helps. And I I admittedly am not a huge fan of doing research for books, as important as it is. I I of the writing part of it. I like putting words on paper. That is the part I love. And the rest of it, having to research and edit and do all this other stuff that comes along with being an author, not as enjoyable for me, but it's all part of it, of course. Uh, so any, any ways I can kind of sidestep that research part and kind of go on what I know, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So actually, actual traveling is a really good way to not research geography, I would say. <laughs> So I guess I'm just going to have to try more. Oh, well. <laughs> right, yeah, that's not so bad. So um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to uh, ask you uh, your thoughts about how your story is actually really reflective of what's going on today. Yeah. Definitely quite interesting to see. So everyone hasn't been aware. I kind of created my own virus um, for this, but I actually did do quite a bit of research on that aspect to make it as plausible and realistic as possible. So it's kind of based on several things, but the name of my virus is fire or fever-induced rapid encephalitis. And in a nutshell, the, the end result and the reason that so many people succumb and die from this virus is due to a very, very high fever. And it's quite interesting with what's happening in the world now, how I have, uh, <laughs> you know, th these stories of dead aware, it took the world by storm in a matter of weeks. And, you know, all these people died and all this stuff happened. And I'm just waiting for the news report to be like. It's uncanny. It's, it's absolutely uncanny how it has overlapped real life. I almost think that you have psychic abilities. <laughs> Well, I hope oh, really? I'm not right on all aspects. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty mind-blowing, though, if you ask me. As I read the stories, I just see so much of not just, you know, what's happening at the time, but like the post-world as well, too, that you can almost see unfold should things get much, much worse. So I don't know. I, I'm sure that, I'm sure people are just stunned by how, how the story in real life has been overlapping. So is um, so does the, the current virus give you ideas for future books? Are you using any of the stuff that you're finding out now for possibilities? Well, the thing that I am, I think, gaining the most information from from this is how people react in real world settings, right? Like, let's be honest, who expected toilet paper to be the first thing to go
be taking it seriously, whereas other people are definitely taking it very seriously. And you kind of get into that mindset, all these post-apocalyptic worlds of the people just go, oh, there's, there's no zombies, that's not a thing, and then they get eaten. Or the people who are like super preppers and in underground bunkers with their five-year supplies of food. And kind of seeing that in the real world is really interesting paper. So I'm going to have to work that in somewhere. I mean, let's be honest, it's kind of funny. <laughs> the toilet paper for sure. <laughs> that is, it has been amazing watching humans react to all of this. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm kind of disappointed in some respects, but I've been pretty impressed in others. What do you think? What are your thoughts on, on how people have been being so kind to others? Yeah, I definitely think that um, that is something really beautiful to see. I, I definitely see a lot of that in Vancouver and in North Vancouver specifically, you know, this huge network of just this community coming together, you know, I mean, I'm in several groups and social media that are for, you know, uh, helping people. So offers of, hey, I'm going to cost any elderly or, or asking, you know, just seeing how people can abandon and help each other. That is absolutely beautiful. And I think on the flip side, too, some people taking it so seriously. So, for example, I had someone at a grocery store the other day get really upset that I was like three feet away from them. I was too close for their comfort level, I guess. And I'm sorry, I, I really didn't mean. Do I bring my best with social distancing? I think we all are. But yeah, it's quite interesting how that fear sets in for some people and turns them quite unkind in some ways. Yeah, it's amazing. That's almost a virus in itself, isn't it? The fear virus. Yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So tell me how you manage all of this. You've got a four-year-old at home. And you've got a job and you've, uh, you have to carve time for writing. How do you manage it all? Um, right now I'm trying really hard to be kind to myself and forgiving. Um, I mean, normally I like to write like crazy. I, I try to write every single day, even if that's, you know, 500 words, but I try for much more than that. I really want to make my dream of an author be a full-time thing down the road. And I know to do that, I need to treat it like a business. And that means just because you don't feel like it isn't a reason to take a day off. Having said that, in the middle of COVID craziness, um, you know, I'm working full-time at home with a four-year-old underfoot trying to stay sane. Um, so I'm trying to be as kind to myself as possible and recognize that, you know what, some days it's not going to happen and other days I'm going to be hugely inspired. So I'm taking, carving out the little few minutes I can get here and there, um, even if that's just jotting down an idea for a future story in a notebook and that's, that's all I do for the day whatever it is but right now it's definitely just be kind to myself if i get words in great if i don't i'm not going to kick myself too hard for it that's that's awesome is there anything you do on a daily basis like a daily practice or ritual that you do um i read every single day i'll say that uh and and you know anyone interested in being an author or an aspiring writer or anything like that uh any good author, any good writer reads 
um, know your genre, know what other people love, know what great authors are doing, know what best-selling authors, even if, I, I, won't, I won't say anything too mean, but even if they're not very well-written books that are very popular, you should know what that is. You know, you should understand that market. So I read every single day, even if that's for 15, 20 minutes, usually it's an hour or two most evenings. Um, and then I also, one thing that I do that helps my author journey, but also me as a person, I do support a lot of other independent authors and up and coming authors. So via social media, I run a couple of different author groups. So I'm usually in there every day, either posting, you know, a cool link for, hey, there's a cool program you can get for free to learn how to do these kind of advertisements or, hey, all, how's everyone doing? What's your word count at? What story are you working on? Just to talk about it or, you know, anything like that. So kind of keeping within this community of independent authors is something I try to keep up on a daily basis, even on days I'm not writing. Well, that's nice. What a great contribution because I think a lot of people have a book in them, but they absolutely have no idea what to do or how to go about it. Now, there is a lot of different things that are involved, not just writing. You've got, you promote the book really well. You've got, your covers are great. Your editing looks fantastic. Um, so there's a lot of different things that are involved. How do you put all that together? Slowly but surely, and with a lot of trial and error. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay. Let's be clear, yeah. I mean, so, so at this point, I mean, I've published three books in the dead aware world, um, not including short stories and stuff that I published within my newsletter. And I put out several anthologies as well. So this is me, you know, as acting editor and having other people send me submissions for their stories and I accept and format and edit and publish and do all of that. So every book has taught me a little bit more, but really it's writing the book is the easy part. The rest of it is, is not so easy because you do have editing and then formatting it so that it can be an ebook versus a print book. And you have to find the right cover artist and, you know, be able to afford all of this too, because a good cover and a good editor aren't going to be cheap. And, you know, personally, I believe that it's an investment in yourself and something I believe in. And then there's learning how to upload a book, what kind of files to use, um, back and front matter. So what's, um, what do you need at the front of a book in that copyright page? What does that actually include? Where do you get that information? Do you do a forward? Do you do an afterward? Just everything, you know, you really have to kind of find your own way and system for all of it. But there's so much to it. But really, I kind of went into it and jumped in, you know, with both feet. It was, again, about five months of writing, a um, couple months of editing, and then I just, rather than wait, I just did it. I just took the plunge and I made a lot of mistakes at the beginning, a lot of things I do differently now, but it, it got me here and, you know, what, six books published later, a year later, less than a year later, I, I feel pretty okay with that and I'm happy to continue the trial and error and see what happens. That's fantastic. Uh, one of the things I was taught in my course is about resistance. And I have felt it every week, the resistance and you're thinking, oh, this or that. And you're almost talking yourself out of it. It's like this little person on your shoulder saying, oh, that's too hard. Or, you know what I mean? And but resistance. And it was really cool because we were taught to know that that's exactly what it was and to keep pushing through it. Have you found that for yourself as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you you have to you have to really want something you have to have a passion for it and you have to see it through because if it was easy it wouldn't be worth it you know and it's you know when you're 
when you're an author, it's part of it is the actual journey of taking a first draft to a published book, but it's even just the writing things. So there are days um, I'll get to a point in a story and I'm stuck. I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to segue to the next action scene. And, and you sit there and you'll sit there for several days and you won't write and you'll be mulling it over and, and you kind of have to force yourself out of this rut and just go, you know what? I don't care how bad these words are because they're not going to be great words. I can, cannot edit an empty page. So I'm going to put these words on the page and make this happen. So sometimes you just have to do it, even if you don't want to, even if you, you know, pushing through it. Yeah. Perseverance, resistance, definitely. <laughs> definitely. That's amazing. I, I just, uh, I think that's really cool that you're doing all that stuff. A lot of people would barely take the first step. I think, um, like, what, what is your philosophy behind that idea of it? I mean, that you do the book as opposed to not do the book? Is there some sort of way that you think of life that it's just not an option to not do this? I guess really it's, it's a commitment I've made to myself more than anything, you know, and something that, again, I'm so, I'm so passionate about, like my day job is in customer service in the travel industry. And actually, truth be told, it's something I am passionate about and I do love, but having said that, my ultimate goal is I want to be a full-time author. I want to be able to do that absolutely full-time at home, make books, give people my words, share that love of reading. That That is a perfect world to me. And it's not going to happen unless I work for it. And it's not a hobby to me. It's it's a business. I treat it as a business. So every time I'm going into something, I'm how am I representing my brand? Because my name is my brand at this point. And, um, you know, I'm not going to let myself down because you know what? I don't have a my book is coming out on this day or something at this point, but I will be disappointed myself if it's another three years before the next one comes out because that's not good enough for me. So it's really setting my own personal bar of what I think I can do and trying to keep to it as much as possible. That's great. That's quite disciplined of you. It's pretty cool. So where did you who give you the best advice you ever got? And what was it? Um, probably my mom when I was a lot younger so you know in high school and you're like I don't know what I want to be when I grow up I mean I'm still saying that um, I have some idea but I'm not there yet but she told me do what you love and money will follow so work on that <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty sure she probably got it from somewhere else but as far as I'm concerned it's from my mom so. <laughs> it's a good book and it's the best advice you're absolutely right I, I'd say that's like just bottom line do what you love and the money will follow absolutely yeah so that's kind of what I, what I, why I follow my passions, right? So again, my day job is travel and customer service. I'm passionate about helping people. Some people think customer service isn't helping people, but hey, I'm either, I, I'm helping people through a difficult time, even if they think it's kind of silly that it's, you know, for a travel company, it's, it's the same thing to me. And traveling is something I'm passionate about. So I've done that. I've been pretty successful in that. And same thing with writing is I see, you know, it's not like I'm making enough money for five weeks to quit my day job quite yet or anything like that. But I'm seeing this, you know, beginning of the success. I see a light way, way, way down that tunnel there and I'm going to keep going for it. So that's fantastic. So uh, where do you see yourself in say five years? Hopefully we are, uh, well, my little one will be in school by then. 
So my perfect world would have us not living right in the middle of the city. Um, I do love North Van. I love Vancouver. But ideally, if I didn't have to be in the middle of the city for work, I wouldn't be. I'd have a little bit more space, a little bit more outdoors. I would be writing full time and there for my little one when she gets home from school every day as a result. And uh, yeah, that's that's really my happy place, hoping to, you know, maybe get married in the next couple of years. We've kind of been putting that off for a little while now. <laughs> so that would be nice as well. But yeah, that's kind of my five-year pretty picture. That's a nice one. I, I love that. You know, um, Sadie's at school and uh, you're doing your work all day long and you're doing your thing. And then she comes home with her, whatever she drew that day or whatever she's done. And everybody's so happy. That sounds like a really contented life for sure. So Eleanor, uh, where can our listeners find you on social media? So I'm definitely most active on Facebook. So I've got a author page. So Eleanor Mary author, nice and easy. Um, I'm pretty liberal with my friend requests too. So always happy if we have things in common to get those requests. I've got a website, Instagram, newsletter, all of those. I do try to update as much as possible, but definitely the, the place you'll find me most often is going to be Facebook. Fantastic. And so you were saying how you like to help authors uh, with ideas or how to how to navigate. Can people who are also doing that get a hold of you at um, Eleanor Mary author? Is that what you said it was? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I also have an email address that I use for my anthologies and some of my author stuff. So it's macabraladies at gmail.com. So I'll make sure we post a copy of that email address in the links as well. But yeah, I'm very passionate about helping other people and carrying on their journey. So I'd love to hear from people and where they're at and let's collaborate and see what we got. That's really wonderful. That's a really nice contribution to you because a lot of people just aren't going to get it out there because they absolutely don't know what to do. So that's really nice. That's a real pay it forward kind of attitude. So that's wonderful. Listen, Eleanor, I have enjoyed talking to you so much today. I wish you tremendous luck on your books. I don't think you necessarily need a lot of luck because they are great books. I really enjoyed them again. They're page turners. They're wonderful stories. Uh, I really love uh, Max and Clara. I, I've gotten to kind of know them and root for them. So I'm glad that there's going to be uh, more of them as well, too. Uh, but in the meantime, I, uh, I wish you all the very best. And I'm going to put all your links on the description below this podcast. And um, I look forward to talking to you again soon when you've got uh, other material out. And we can talk about it then as well. Love it. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. You're welcome. Talk to you soon.